Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan. I'm sure you've all heard, the more things change, the more things remain the same. And that, unfortunately, is part of the human condition. We never seem to learn from the past. Uh, Of course, history, you have to study history to even know the past. And in today's world, our our young people are not being taught history or whatever history they're being taught is generally whitewashed uh, or changed to reflect a political or political agenda or a viewpoint of the progressive uh, collectivist left. Uh, So, if you don't know history, as you well know, you're going to repeat it over and over again because it seems that human beings are just immune to understanding that you cannot repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again and expect to have a better result. I think that's apparent in our country today. And so I have a, a special guest with me who's going to discuss uh, discuss what's happening in our country today from a very unique historic perspective. My guest is Adi Christ. She's been a guest on Freedom Forum Radio before, but she grew up in Germany during the rise of Hitler, and that is something that has been branded in her memory. And when she remembers her childhood and what she and her fellow countrymen went through in Germany between World War One and World War Two, and when she sees the parallels about what's happening in our country today, she has felt that she needs to speak out and educate us. And so it is with a great pleasure and great honor and respect that I uh, welcome again Adi Christ to Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you. It's a very it's a pleasure to have you here today, Adi. And let's start talking about from a historical perspective, what kind of conditions were go- – what was going on in Germany between the First and Second World War that led to the rise of the Nazi regime? Well, there's so many you know, different uh, details that, that come in in uh, Hitler taking over everything, promising everything, and then taking away everything. And uh, he would um, – you know, promise certain freedoms and then would take them away. And it was very, you know, oppressive. It was very secretive. And people just, you know, had to be uh, really leery about what they said or what, uh, you know, what they did because um, 
he was just waiting for a chance to jump on him. Well, that's kind of an interesting concept, giving it and taking away. What kind of things did he promise and then take away? Well, uh, he... uh, First, he he took away the, the jobs, and he you know did other things um, that that uh, threatened personal freedom, and then later on he promised it again if people were to give up some of those freedoms you know willingly, but most of the time it was very oppressive, and most of the time all he was after is just for them to give up their individualism and their freedom of speech all with the purpose of taking over and putting them under their thumb, his thumb. So taking away freedom of speech, that's something we've kind of taken for granted. Freedom of speech we've taken for granted in this, in this country. It's certainly one of the, uh, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment to the, to the Constitution. Our founders thought that was really, really critical. Uh, how did that play out in Hitler's Germany? Well, you you couldn't say anything, and he had snitches um, on every in every family, in every block, in every house, and you didn't know if you could say something or if you did say something. If those people would turn you in, and um, you would have to suffer the consequences, you know that kind of happened to um, my mother in uh, Germany when you were finished with just regular elementary school, then the girls would go into somebody's household, or they could, for the lady of the house to teach them how to keep house and and, uh, how to raise a family and so on. And she, when she was 20, was employed by uh, owner of a large large fleet of ships in Hamburg. And uh, she helped hide um, Jews at that lady's house. They at the time you could only buy like if you had four members of your household, then you could buy four pork chops. You know they didn't have refrigeration like they do now for your food, so they would go out just about every day. Somebody would be watching them, and if they bought six pork chops, for instance, somebody would run to the police and tell them and accuse them they're hiding Jews because they bought six pork chops. So the police then would show up on the doorsteps of the house and demand to be let in, and they searched the house. Now, it was not um, uh, a, you know, a safe house like um, Anne Frank, where they could stay because he owned a lot of ships. It was a, uh, just a place for them to be channeled out to Denmark and to Sweden and so on, who were um, uh, neutral at the time, and uh, so they didn't find anybody there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking with you. So really what you're saying, that, that was one way of keeping tabs on the population because if you have to buy food on a daily basis, it's pretty easy uh, for a government uh, to watch over you. And like you said, if you have four people and you buy five or six pork chops, then obviously something's going on because they know you had to use it. How about, how about just plain old speech? How did that work in Germany? Well, my my family spoke out at home. They didn't necessarily, you know, speak out in words. But um, actually, I was born 24 days after Hitler invaded Poland. 
So uh, when my family would have to go out to go shopping, they would put uh, a newspaper under one arm and a, a shopping bag and me on the other hand. And if they would be accosted by a military officer of why they were not saluting, which everybody was supposed to do when they came on officer, then they would say, well, you tell me what to drop first. So they found ways to be disobedient and, and obstinate towards Hitler's troops without really getting into trouble because, you know, you can't say anything or they couldn't say anything to that. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will be right back after this quick break. You know, you raised an interesting uh, image in my mind. You know, you know how that, that we used to have a program that said children say the darndest things? Right. And it must have been an incredible thing for you as a child and for your parents, the parents of a young child. Weren't they constantly afraid that you might just open your mouth and say something that would be found objectionable? not to the point where it became oppressive. You know, you learn even from the behavior at home and how they speak, not to speak out when certain people are around you. you know, our neighbor, which was my mother's best friend, she had a, a brother-in-law who was an attorney, and he was a staunch Hitler supporter. You know, so um, even after the war, they would have arguments. But, it, you know, during the war, you would just know that when they came over for dinner, there are certain things, you know, you wouldn't say. After the war, then they would have, you know, loud arguments because he was still a supporter of Hitler even after the war. Well, again, though, do you re did your parents ever turn to you and say, when you go outside, don't talk or, or keep your mouth shut? I mean... Well, there weren't that many, you know... Uh, soldiers around. So um, I just knew that from the way they were talking at home to each other and what they would and what they wouldn't do. Um, I just think if you tell some, you know, a little kid, don't say something, then they will let it slip out. Just on the pro, like on the program that you mentioned, Art Linkletter used to say, you know, what did your parents tell you not to tell me? And they would spill the beans. Right. So. You know, so it was more by the behavior of the family inside the home, you know, rather than uh, just constantly pounding in, don't say this and don't do that, and, and so on. You know, I don't remember them, you know, pounding down on what I could and couldn't say. So did you have siblings? But they weren't around then. I'm seven years older than my sister, and she doesn't remember anything. Right. So you were an only child, and you had your mother and your father present. There were three. No, uh, my father was stationed as part of the occupation force. He was pulled in in 1940. He was pulled into the army. He was conscripted, and he was part of the occupation force in Holland, in the area where um, Corey Ten Boom's family lived. And he smuggled food out of his army, German army camp, to feed some people in a city that was right close uh, um, to the city where the um, Ten Booms lived. And, um, you know, when I met those people after the war, they had my dad and the, those people had reconnected. 
I didn't ask, you know, did my dad feed you because you were hungry? Because there was a famine in Holland. Or did he feed you because you were um, Jewish? He did bring home um, a doll when he, for me, uh, sent by them when he came home in 1945. And her name was Corey. I could not change her name because they said it was too important. I later found out that the daughter of the people that my dad helped, uh, her name was Corey. And because the cities were so close together and and the Ten Boom family helped hide Jews, I, uh, you know, I have always wondered if Corey Ten Boom was that young woman's godmother. But because the... Dutch Reformed Church was in cahoots with the Nazis. Um, I can't find any church records to see if she was listed as the godmother, or I haven't, because the city where my dad was stationed uh, was bombed by the Germans. Um, there aren't any written records of that either, so I have not been able to substantiate that. But he was gone. I did not meet him until I was six years old. So your father was really a hero. He risked yes. his life. He risked his life every single time he brought provisions to a Dutch family or a Jewish family uh, in that town. And I'm right. sure that there were plenty of Germans who understood that that was the morally correct thing to do. Uh, it, it really is a, exciting to hear you say that because it's important to understand that not all Germans were bad. There were plenty who understood that there was a moral right, a difference between being right and wrong, and they acted upon it at risk to their own safety. Right. And I have, you know, some papers here where it's, uh, uh, some research papers where it says that the German, some of the German occupation forces, not just my father, uh, jumped in and helped uh, the, hide the Jews when it, you know, when push came to shove. So um, there were more than just my, you know, father who felt that way. So, um, you know, but that's one thing that I share uh, all the time that uh, he was, you know, he he risked his life. After he came home, we were occupied by uh, by the English. Germany was cut up into four sections. Uh, we I was uh, uh, living under the uh, English rule, and then they had the American sector and the French sector and then the Russian sector. And um, it was just, uh, you know, really, uh, well, they they offered after the war that those people that were just conscripted into the army and were not followers of Hitler and uh, the Nazi uh, government, they could uh, have their name cleared by the Allied forces, and I have those papers where he was cleared um, and all the papers that he had to submit to get his name cleared. I have those in both English and German. So, you know, there's it was important for him to do that. Well, you know, you are really kind of in a unique position. And again, we are speaking with Adi Christ, who was born in Germany during the rise of Adolf Hitler and lived there during the, the Second World War. She has a unique perspective on what was going on in Germany at that time. And uh, so here's what I have to ask you. If you were to look at what, are the, what were the conditions in Germany that led to the rise of Adolf Hitler? 
what was going on in the country that made enough people adherent to that philosophy uh, in order for him to come to power? I think it's the same that it is here in which I have fought since I came to this country, and that's apathy. Apathy. I understand apathy. Let's go into that. Who was apathetic in Germany? Uh, The the general public. They had been on a high. um, Also, when I came uh, here to America, it it was a philosophy here that nothing can ever uh, defeat Americans. And uh, after the Korean War, uh, President uh, Truman sent out his uh, members of his administration to uh, circulate around the country, America, and tell Americans, drive it home to them, there is nothing that can happen to the Americans. They're invincible. And so they would, when I came over, they, they had carried a stack of chips on their shoulder, and nothing you know, from outside America was worth anything. Talk about, you know, being bullied. I was bullied a lot because I was German. They could hear it because I spoke with an accent and nothing was worth, you know, anything. And so when you, um, you know, put that into uh, a a person's mind or a population's mind, plus uh, later on when Madeleine Murray O'Hare was trying to get prayer out of school, from that, this, that was before LBJ's separation of church and state. He said from the pulpit, you know, don't worry about one woman getting prayer out of school. It'll just never happen. So don't get involved in politics and just stay out of it. You know, well, when you give people permission not to be active and, and not to fight something, they will take that and they will sit down and then they don't come back up again. And I have been fighting that ever since, you know, I've been in this country, that to get people involved, I was upset when I saw the uh, um, voting records, you know, the numbers that would come out, 17%, 19% when there were elections. And I just knew that if they, uh, the Americans did not learn history, that they would repeat history because they thought that they were immune to anything. And nobody is immune. You know, if you don't... Uh, uh, Watch your house, somebody will break in. And that's, you know, what I feel has happened here in America. So I've been really active over the years to um, encourage people to vote and start voting on the local level because if you don't like what they say, then that's where you can change it. Don't wait until they're in Washington. You know, and uh, in Germany, it was, uh, you know, they they had... um, Eventually, they had they would appoint people uh, in a block, a city block, or an apartment house, and so on, to be a watchdog. Well, they thought they had so much power because they were, you know, could go to the police and just accuse anybody. Well, you know that that happens here. If you don't watch out, what you know, who is running for office, and what they believe in, and what they stand for, then they will go in and into office locally or on the state level, and then. The further they get away from the hometown, the easier it is for them to ignore the voters and what the voters want done. And once they get to Washington, it's just about impossible to get a hold of a senator and a congressman and get your uh, uh, views known or followed. 
so it is, you know, just important that people keep their eyes open and watch who they put in power because they can say anything. But then when they're out of reach, they will go against what the voters want done. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything Everything gonna be all right this morning